Hey, thanks for listening to the CMC podcast. My name is Noah Tice, and I'm the media director here at CMC. And before we get into our message, I just wanted to plug our young adult ministry, Applied Life Leaders Academy. If you've been listening to us for any amount of time, you'll know that CMC is always about the next generation of leaders. And so Applied Life Leaders Academy has been a major part of our mission for over 37 years. As an alumni of the program, I can tell you that if you know a young person with a call of leadership on their life who has a desire to grow in their personal purpose and ministry, Applied Life is a perfect fit. And for more information, visit AppliedLife.com and follow us on all social media platforms at Applied Life Leaders Academy. And now for a sermon by Pastor Paul Kern. You guys ready for the word? Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 26. If you're joining us for the first time, man, we want to welcome you. We're so glad that you chose to uh, worship with us today and be a part of our service. And if you're listening by uh, our different social media outlets, we're so grateful that you're listening and we pray that you're encouraged also. Um, I'm going to I, you know, I just like hearing people's stories about them having a Jesus encounter, you know. It's just so powerful to hear people's testimony, and I think the Apostle Paul is probably one of the most powerful testimonies, you know, just life-changing, altering moment of anybody that I know. And I, I want to read that. Paul is in front of King Agrippa. Um, he's not in a good situation at all. Um, but he is in front of King Agrippa, and he is sharing his testimony. And I just want to read what he had to say. So starting in verse 1, Then King Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things which I am accused of by the Jews, especially because you are an expert in all the customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all of the Jews know. They knew me from the first. And if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religions, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and I am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise, our 12 tribes, earnestly serving God day and night, hope to obtain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and this I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints that I shut up in prison, having received the authority of the chief priest, And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I punished them often in every synagogue, and I compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them in foreign cities. And while thus occupied, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. And at midday, O king, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun. And it was shining all around us, even those traveling with me. When we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice in the Hebrew language say to me, Saul, Saul, it's hard for you to persecute me, to to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, it is I, Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but arise. And stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for a purpose. 
Can everybody say purpose? Oh, yeah, it was for a purpose. And he said, I've appeared to you for this purpose to make you. See, that's what God does is he appears to us and then he makes us something different. And I'm going to make you a minister and a witness both to the things of which you have seen and the things which I will reveal to you. And I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and in the Gentiles that they should repent, they should turn to God, that they should do works befitting repentance. And for these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple. They tried to kill me. And therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, witnessing both small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. What a story. What an encounter. What an encounter. What an encounter. And that's what I want to talk about today, is encounter. You know, this year we're going to be talking a lot about faith because um, that's the direction that the Holy Spirit has given our church to walk in this. Josh, I'm having the same problem you had. My tape came undone. Y'all bear with me. Let me see if I can get it. Because if you don't get this right, this thing right here, it's like a little devil. <laughs> there we go. I got it. Submit. Get saved. <laughs> but we're going to be talking a lot about faith this year. That's the direction that the Lord gave our church. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people have faith experiences, but not a lot of people have a faith encounter. Paul had a, he had a faith encounter. Now, it's interesting because Paul was already a very religious person. I mean, he was about as religious as you could possibly get. I mean, he knew the scripture more than anybody. He was zealous for the pharisaical movement, for sure. In other words, he was zealous for God. Now, his zeal was without knowledge. He was zealous for the wrong things because he had not encountered Jesus. But Paul had many experiences within the realm of Judaism, and he was very educated. He was very devout. He had read, he had read and heard about the Messiah all throughout his life, many times. But none of those experiences were capable of producing the life-altering effects of one moment, one encounter with one man. It's crazy whole life studying, seeking, searching, studying, knows so much, 
been to so many synagogues, so many church services, so many religious experiences, and yet never had that encounter with Jesus. And the fact is, none of those experiences were capable of producing those life-altering effects like an encounter with Jesus can. The fact is, I think many people are attending church today. I mean, it's Sunday. People all over the world are attending churches just like us. They're sitting in buildings with people of like faith. They're hearing a pastor somewhere speak the Word of God. And many of these people have had religious experiences at church services or at Bible, Bible school or Bible camp or conferences or, you know, some type of conference or whatever. I mean, they, they've all had these experiences. And, and when I think about those kinds of experiences, it kind of reminds me of like television commercials. You, you know, have y'all ever heard like, um, you, you know, commercials tout having experiences? You know, I remember for years, Cadillac, that was the, the car, which is still an awesome car. I can't afford one, but they're a cool car. <clears throat> and um, one of the things that they would always say is, come experience the Cadillac ride. How many of y'all remember that, the Cadillac ride? Come experience the Cadillac ride. Or come have a dining experience with us tonight. You know, come have a dining experience with us. Well, I mean, Disney, the Magic Kingdom, our our associate pastor just got back, he and his family, experience the magic, right, at the magic kingdom. And uh, all these moments, they're great experiences, but they're certainly not life-altering experiences because, you know, I, I've been to many restaurants and had a lot of good meals and some not so good, and I've had a lot of different vehicles and quite a few of them I don't remember even what they were, and I've been to Disney twice. And honestly, there's a lot of things about going to Disney I don't even remember. Great experiences. Not, not saying there's anything wrong with those experiences, but my, my point is, is that many people have religious experiences, but only a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus is going to transform your heart and life. That's the only thing that will create a life-altering moment like Paul had. Paul had a life-altering moment. Paul of Tarsus. Paul of Henderson, Texas. I had a life-altering moment at 23. Man, my grandparents were religious people. They went to church regularly. I was involved in religious experiences as a child growing up. But none of those things marked my life None of those things changed my life. Only Jesus did. And as we talk about faith this year, I want you to understand the only way that you can have and walk in unshakable, genuine, deep faith is that you have an unshakable, genuine, deep encounter. Encounter with Jesus. And, and, and if you have not had an encounter with Jesus, this is the thing in your life that you're missing. This is why you look in the refrigerator, you know, you walk over and you open the door. See, everybody, everybody does it. I used to do it. I used to get bored. I used to get bored. I haven't been bored since I was 23 years old and I met Jesus. Not one time I've never been bored. Isn't that crazy? 
I quit walking up to that empty refrigerator, looking in, wasn't even hungry, looking in. What was I looking for? I was looking for something that refrigerator couldn't offer me, I can tell you that. And you're looking something for something that no church experience can offer you or vacation can offer you or car can offer you or house can offer you or money can offer you or relationship can offer you. None of those things can offer you that. See, the way to stay in faith is the way that you came to it in the first place. It's through a powerful encounter with Jesus. That's the only way that you can do it. And, and the truth is the world is full of, of people who survive in the painful existence of dysfunction. They live reactionary lifestyles because their emotions rule everything that they do. And they have a victim mentality because they've never, ever encountered Jesus. And I'm not just talking about outside the walls of the church. I'm talking about inside the walls of the church, people filling chairs and pews all over the country. And the reality is many of these people, they've had countless religious experiences, but they've missed having a real encounter with Jesus Christ. And we've got to get to Jesus. And we've got to get people to Jesus. Listen, I, I am all about principles and truths. We teach them every day to our young people and they will help you live life. They can, principles and truths can help you manage relationships and manage your entertainment and manage your money and, and make your life so much better. But principles and truths cannot give you a life-altering moment. Only Jesus can do that. As a matter of fact, Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you search the scripture. We all read our Bibles. You search the scripture because you think in them you have eternal life, but these are them that speak of me. Jesus is the word. He is the living word. And we have to have an encounter with Jesus. And once you truly encounter Jesus, once you really truly experience the multifaceted layers of his love and his truth, trust me, your life will never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never be the same. Ever. You can't. And that's why so many are missing, and that's why so many are hurting, and that's what lost people are looking for, by the way. They're looking for Jesus. Now, you can bring them to church, and you should, and I think that's great. <clears throat> and we'll preach Jesus to them, and we'll pray that they'll have an encounter with Jesus and not just come to church and have a a religious experience. You know, I hear young adults, they tell me, you know, Paul, I want to know God's purpose for my life. I want to know why I'm here. I want to know what my future holds. I want to know what, what I'm supposed to do. And my response is always, you know, your, your purpose is going to come as a result of encountering the purpose giver. Purpose flows from his throne. Purpose comes out of his heart into our lives. You know, when, when Jesus becomes your purpose, you will see your life's purpose revealed. You know, as we look at, into Scripture, we see people who had 
momentary experiences, and we see people who have encounters with Jesus. We see both. You know, I think about Saul. Saul was the king of Israel. And then I think about David. David was the king of Israel. Both Saul and both David ruled about the same amount of time, 40 years. Both Saul and David made mistakes, bad ones. But Saul went down in history as a man who missed the mark. And David went down in history as a man who knew God. Saul didn't write the Psalms. David wrote the Psalms. And clearly, as you read the Psalms, you can see that there's something very different going on in David's heart than what was going on in Saul's heart. As a matter of fact, David talked directly to God. Saul talked to God through Samuel. All of the instructions that Saul received from Samuel, all the direction that he received was from the prophet Samuel, all the correction that he received, all the relationship that he had with God was through Samuel. And you know, it's easy to come to church and make Sunday morning an experience and the only connection that you ever have with God is through one of the speakers up on the stage. But see, God wants you to know him. See, Jesus, he wants, he wants to appear to you like he did to Paul, like he did to me. He wants to appear to you. And I know there are people in this room that he has appeared to because I don't have to be around you very long to figure that out. I see it. I sense it. I feel it. See, many people in Scripture who followed Jesus, they had momentary experiences. You know, I think about all those people that Jesus fed, you know, the 5,000. He took the bread and the loaves and he broke them and he fed 5,000 people just to, you know, some sardines and crackers, basically. And a lot of those people, you know, they ate of that. It was good. They came back the next day for more. And Jesus preached a sermon the following day because they were hoping to come back and get some more fish and chips. And Jesus said, um, all you guys that had the, the bread and fish yesterday, listen up. Unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you can have no part with me. And the scripture says that many of them departed him in that moment. See, lots of people have had religious experiences, yet they walk away unchanged because they didn't have an encounter with the man. You can hear about the man, you can talk about the man, you can even lift your hands and act like you're worshiping the man, but you hadn't really ever been touched by the man. And we know that that's possible because the scripture says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't I? And Jesus said to them, depart from me, I never knew you. You never had an encounter with me. Oh, you were religious. You, you may even have been a good person, but that's not what it's about. Being good is not what it's about. Having an encounter with Jesus 
is what Jesus wants in your life. You know, I think about Jesus with Simon, one of his disciples, and, you know, he was a handful, and, and um, you know, he tried to counsel Jesus a couple of times even. You know, he meant well, but <laughs> then he got called the devil once by Jesus, you know. I just like Jesus to do that to you. <laughs> Get behind me, you little devil. <clears throat> but he told Simon, he said, he said, you are Simon, but you shall be Peter. You know, you, your, your life is unstable. You're like shifting sand. You're, you're tossed to and fro by, by every little thing that comes along, but, but you're gonna have an encounter with me and you're gonna be different and you're gonna be Peter, see? See, you, you, you are, you shall be. You are, you shall be. You are, you shall be. I mean, Jacob wrestled with God all night long and he got a new name and a new identity. See, these, these people had encounters with Jesus. And my point is this, when you have an encounter with Jesus, you are translated out of the realm in the world of darkness and you are translated into the kingdom of God's beloved son, a kingdom of light, and you have a heart of stone that is replaced with a heart of flesh and you're a different person. You're completely different. Your friends don't even recognize you. My friends didn't recognize me. It's like, who is this guy? What happened to who we used to know? And I said, he's dead. He's gone. See, in that place of intimacy, you learn your identity. You realize who your heavenly father is. And, you know, you, you, you have access now to God, to Christ. And you're able to crawl up into your father God's lap. You know, Abba, Father, Daddy. And you're able to crawl up in his lap. You know, I remember when I was a little kid, I would crawl up in my father's lap and my dad would be leaning back in his lazy boy and I would just lay my head on my dad's chest and I would, I'd just listen to that heartbeat. Boom, 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 boom. It's just pumping, just pumping, just hearing my, my father's heartbeat, you know, and I felt really, close to my dad when I was in that place listening to that heartbeat and as we do this with our heavenly father we can hear his heartbeat and what's awesome is in this counter, encounter with Jesus his heartbeat becomes our heartbeat because he comes to live inside of us and and here's the great thing about being in that place being in that place where now you have God's heartbeat and especially for you young people listen to me because I think this is so important for you to understand once you get that heartbeat you don't have to be commanded what to do see this is something that I was missing for 23 years of my life every really noble right godly thing that I did, I, I pretty much had to be commanded to do it. I, I, I was bound to do it. And see, the thing about having God's heartbeat is when you have God's heartbeat, even God's law doesn't feel restrictive to you. It's liberating. It's freeing. Because it's a place of intimacy where 
you know, you're in rhythm with the heartbeat of God. Your, your heart beats the way God's heart beats because God's heart is inside of you. And as, an, as a result of having an encounter with Jesus, his heartbeat, his desires become ours because we're different. Amen? We're different. And now God no longer has to tell you what to do because you have his heart. And when we have God's heart, you know, out of our hearts flow his thoughts. Mm. And out of our hearts flow his plans. And out of our hearts flow his words. Now God no longer has to tell you what to do because you have his heart. See, it's not a drudgery for you anymore because you're a different person. And if you have your ear real close to his chest, you'll hear God's heartbeat say, draw close to me, love relentlessly, give abundantly, obey immediately. That's what God's heart, heartbeat is. That's what it beats. You know, what I, what I just shared describes what it's like to have a life-altering encounter with Jesus. You know, maybe you're listening to our podcast or you're watching us on YouTube right now and, you know, you've never had that encounter. But I want you to know Jesus is available. Jesus is waiting. As a matter of fact, Revelations 3, 20 and 21, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hears my voice and he open the door, I will come into him, and I will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I also overcame, and I sat down by my Father's throne. Wow. See, we have that place at the table that we've been given with Jesus. It's so important that you get God's heartbeat because your life will always flow in the direction of your heartbeat. Always. Actions and behavior follow the heart. That's why you have to get a new heart. Action and behaviors follow the heart. That's why Jesus gives us a brand new heart, a different heart. He replaces that old stony heart with a heart of flesh, a heart that is, is supple and, and submitting and moldable, teachable. I remember when I was... Um, when I first got saved, here in our ministry, we had a um, drama ministry for young adults called God's Army. And uh, I was in it for about seven years. Just doing drama ministry, we traveled all over. And we spoke at all kinds of different churches. We did youth retreats on the weekend. We saw hundreds of young people come to Christ. I mean, it was really awesome seeing all these young people give their heart to Jesus. And I remember one Sunday morning, we would often stay over and, and our leader and mentor that was heading up these things, he would speak at the churches. And I remember being at this one church and he was speaking and he was talking about Jesus and he was talking about making Jesus the Lord of your life. And um, at the very end of the service, he, he gave an altar call. And I watched this lady get up from the piano Matter of fact, she'd been sitting at the piano. She, paid, she played the piano all through worship. 
She'd been sitting at the piano listening to the sermon. And I watched this lady get up from the piano and she walked to the front and she got down on her knees and she was weeping. Just weeping. And she told our leader, she says, you know, I've been in this church for 25 years. I've been playing the piano in this church for 25 years and I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. I've never encountered him, but this morning, but this morning, I encountered Jesus. Jesus spoke to my heart. I remember going to church, being drugged to church, (laughs) being drugged to church, being drugged to church meetings, such a drudgery, so annoying. But you know, I didn't encounter Jesus at church. I didn't encounter Jesus at Bible school and I didn't encounter Jesus in a church camp. You know where I encountered Jesus? I encountered Jesus in my bed, high on cocaine. He appeared to me. And it was powerful. As a matter of fact, it was so weird because I didn't have any Christian friends. You know, all my friends were lost. I remember the following weekend after I encountered Jesus, and that whole week my life was just, it was just like a washing machine. My heart was just, so many things were happening inside of me, but none of my friends were Christians, and and my normal routine was go, you know, smoke pot or drink or you know drop some acid and get high and sit around a campfire with my buddies and I, I, I remember having that experience again that weekend but it was totally different for me because it was like I was having an outer body experience I was just watching all of my friends sit around that campfire and it was like I was up here and I was looking down and I was watching and I was seeing myself and God told me God told me as this was happening, he says, you are no longer satisfied with this life. You will no longer be happy living this life. You belong to me. And I'm telling you, that's the last campfire I sat around. And it's crazy, within three weeks time, it was like a whirlwind in my life. Within three weeks time, I had left Texas and I was in Arkansas attending our internship that we have here at our church at 23 years of age. And I've never looked back. Now, does that mean I've never sinned? Of course not. We all sin. But what it does mean is I'm not a habitual sinner. I've been delivered from that man because I have a different heart. As a matter of fact, when I do sin, I have, a, I have a disdain for sin. I have a real disdain for sin. I do not like sinning. I do not enjoy it. I used to enjoy it. I don't enjoy it now. As a matter of fact, now when I do sin, it grieves me. It really bothers me. And I'm real quick to get down on my knees. And that's not because I'm good. <laughs> that's because I had an encounter. See, I had an encounter with Jesus. And it changed me. 
See, when you, you, when you have an encounter with Jesus that changes your heart, and when you have an encounter with the Word, every time you come to church, it changes your mind. But you've got to have the heart encounter first. You can't just come here and listen to sermons in our church and nod your head in agreement and go, man, that was, that was good, but you haven't had an encounter. A life-altering, life-changing, life-shaping encounter where you get a new name, you get a new direction, and not only that, you get a new family. Because see, I didn't hang out with those people anymore because they weren't my family anymore. God gave me a new family. See, that, that's the thing. When, when I had my encounter with Jesus in my adult, early adult life, it drew me to connect with a different family. It drew me to connect with different people. And the, and the result of this kind of intimacy leads us all into oneness. My, I got people here that are like, they're, they're closer to me family-wise than some of my own blood relatives, literally. There's people here that I love dearly. I pray for, I connect with, I do life with. And, and, and we miss the truth that the real story is not about just a restoration of our relationship with Jesus, but it's a restoration of our relationship with everybody else. See, when you get Jesus, you get a new family. As a matter of fact, in essence, he says, welcome to the family. Come on in to the family. See, Jesus, he leads us to salvation, but once you connect with Jesus, he points you toward people. He points you to a tribe of people that you do life with. You know, people have asked our pastoral leadership, you know, who are we submitted to? Who are you guys submitted to? You know, what, what authority or what leadership are you submitted to? And our answer is always the same. We're submitted to one another. That's the body of Christ. I'm submitted to you. You're submitted to me. We hold one another accountable. We pray for one another when we need it. We love one another when we need it. We encourage one another when we need it. And here's the thing that you have to be careful of, especially if you're a new Christian or maybe you haven't been walking with the Lord for very long. And I, I just want to caution you, as you begin your walk with Jesus, you have to know that isolation is a killer. It's a killer. And the enemy will do everything that he can to isolate you. And I watch this happen to people. I, I mean, I've watched, listen, the Bible says be careful lest you say you stand and you fall. And I've watched people that have, been, that have been Christians for five years, for 10 years, walk away from the church. I've watched it happen. Josh has watched it happen. It grieves our heart. We cry over it. It's a terrible, terrible thing. But see, the, the enemy either tries to get you so hurt and so offended by the church that you say, I feel misunderstood and I'm going to do my own thing. I don't need the church to have a relationship with Jesus. Yet the only problem is Jesus isn't coming back for you. He's coming back for his bride, and his bride is his family. It's the church. Jesus died for the church. That's who he died for, and we are the church. It's not this structure. This is just a building. This whole thing could come down. We're still Christian ministries because we're the body of Christ. That's what we are. 
And so he either tries to get you hurt and offended or he tries to isolate you over some shame in your life because you have an issue. Well, we all have issues. I mean, it started in the Garden of Eden and it hadn't stopped. And even in the flood, when God started all things over again, it didn't stop. See, whenever you find yourself trying to hide from people and trying to push people away, an alarm bell should go off inside of you that says the enemy's trying to isolate you. He's trying to isolate you, and you need to listen. You need to listen to those alarm bells. And next, you should have the same response every time that alarm bell goes off. I'm going to talk to someone. I'm going to talk to someone. I refuse to be isolated. I refuse to let the devil beat me up and isolate me. I'm going to connect with someone. See, we, listen, I get it. We get hurt in community. It happens. But you know what else you get in community? You get healed in community. I've been way more healed in community than I have hurt in community. Community is where we grow. We can't live a life of faith without community. And there's not one area, there is not one area in my life that is not healthier and better as a result of people imparting into my life. Literally not one area that I can think of that I'm not better because of other people that have poured into me. Not one area of my life that is healthy or fruitful that doesn't have the best of others poured into me. Whether it's my marriage or my finances or raising my children or running my home or running businesses or living my life as a man of God, they're all better as a result of my interaction with people who have touched my life because we're not supposed to figure things out on our own. Not one time did Jesus ever say, you know, I'm your Lord and Savior. It's just you and me now, bro. Come on. He's never said that. As a matter of fact, Jesus saves us and then he points us to our family. But it's tough to submit to other people. And I totally understand that. It is tough to submit to other people. But I, but I do it for a lot of different reasons, but a couple of different reasons that really stick out to me that motivate me to, to submit to our body of believers here is one, I see lots of people who refuse to submit to what others and what they, and, and, and they, don't, they don't submit what they're thinking to other people and they think they're right, but they're wrong. And because they don't submit their thoughts to other people, they go off and follow those thoughts because they didn't have anybody who would challenge those thoughts. I've watched people, I've, I've watched wives leave their husband to marry another man because they thought that's what they're supposed to do. I've watched fathers abandon their children because that's what they thought they were supposed to do. I've watched people quit their jobs because they thought that's what they were supposed to do. See, there is a way that seems right, but in the end, the scripture said, can lead to death. That's why Proverbs says, in the counsel of many, we receive wise instruction. And the second reason that, that I submit is because we all get impatient and we want to ru rush ahead of God's timing, you know, and, and I've just found in community, it helps us not rush ahead. I can't tell you the number of times I've told our young adults, I said, look, don't mistake the, the speedometer on the dashboard of your car for a compass. It's a mistake. 
And we all tend to want to get ahead of God because we're in a hurry to get where we're going. See, people in our lives, they can see what we can't see. People just have an ability to see things about us that we can't see. But as we submit to family, we can see that. But you can't submit to man if you hadn't submitted to God. You can't submit to your boss. You can't submit to your wife. You can't submit to your husband. You can't submit to your friends because your heart has not been transformed and Jesus isn't the Lord of your life. And you're always going to have that little bit of rebel in you, that little bit of waywardness about you that wants to stray, that wants to do your own thing, that doesn't want people telling you what to do, you want to isolate, you're always going to have that unless, unless you've had an encounter with Jesus. And when you have an encounter with Jesus, everything about your life changes. Now, as I close what I'm saying here, I want to talk to a couple of different groups. One group that I want to talk to are those of you who have had an encounter with Jesus. And I want to caution you. I really do. Because in the book of Galatians, Paul was having to really correct the believers there because they had, they had come to faith through Jesus. They had received his grace into salvation Yet somewhere along the way, they replaced encounter with experiences. And they're just kind of going through the motions. And that's the danger that can happen to us, each one of us, because of our flesh. See, it's not just a one-time encounter that I had when I was 23 years old, but it's, it's daily encounters. You know, if I'm going to have a healthy relationship with my gorgeous, awesome, amazing wife sitting right down here who I love so much, I'm going to have to have daily encounters with her. I mean, daily. We're going to communicate and we're going to talk. She was gone all day yesterday. When she came in, I hit pause on the TV. I closed the iPad. I tuned in because we're having an encounter. We're having moments. And that's what you do once you encounter Christ, you continue to have these moments with Christ. So important, so important. And then maybe you're here today or maybe you're listening um, to our podcast or watching a YouTube video and it could be months from now, I don't know. But what I'm telling you is convicting you. In other words, your heart's burning. You know, you know that you know in your heart of hearts that you're not saved. You know that you don't know Jesus. That as I've been up here describing this kind of encounter, you recognize, you know what, Paul? I've had a lot of experiences, but I never had an encounter. Well, I want to I let you know today is the day of salvation for you. No better day than today. No better moment than right now for you to give your heart and life to God. 
So if you're here, those of you that are saved, I just want you to pray with me. And if you don't know Jesus, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm just asking you to give your life to God. I'm telling you, it's the best decision I ever made. Life gets so much sweeter with Jesus. Amen. So let's just pray together. Father, I just thank you for those that are listening, those that are here in this audience. I thank you, God, that they're hearing my words. And Lord, I pray that my words will pierce their heart. And God, that they will surrender their life to the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to have it except through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the door. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, the road is narrow that leads to life, and few are those that find it. The road is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who take that way. But you're not that person because God in his grace has seen to it that you tuned in or that you're here and that you're listening to the sound of my voice and this is your opportunity that God has put before you today. Because of his grace and his goodness, he's put this opportunity before you for you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, and for your life to take on a different direction. And all you have to do is just ask him to come into your heart. Just confess that you're a sinner, that you can't do life on your own, that you are empty and that you need God. Humble yourself. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will come into you. The presence of Jesus will fill you. God will give you a new heart. He'll take that old heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. And man, your life will be different. Holy Spirit, just do what you do and touch their lives, Lord. And as a result of that, as a result of that, what you need to do is you need to get yourself involved in a church family a good church that preaches the Bible, that preaches truth, that talks about Jesus. And then you begin to read your word and you begin to pray and you begin to allow God to transform your mind. See, through salvation, he transforms your heart, but through reading the word and sitting in services, he transforms your mind. And you've gotta have both to live that life of abundance that Jesus has for you. If you just stand with me, we're going to end our time this morning. Father, we just thank you, each one of us here, Lord. We thank you for the, for the encounter that we each had. And Jesus, we recognize that we didn't pick you. You picked us. You searched us out. You found us. And many of us were so undeserving. As a matter of fact, all of us were. But you picked us anyway, Jesus. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. And God, because of that, we want to tell you that we love you. We're so thankful to you. And God, we want to live our lives to serve you, to be a witness and a testimony for you. Just like the Apostle Paul. Just as he testified before King Agrippa and he was not ashamed, Lord, we testify of you and we are not ashamed. So God, bring divine appointments across our path.
present opportunities for us and God give us the boldness to speak and just simply share the encounter that we had with you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.